getting you ready for the weekend we are the y'all show i'm john rawl and we're here for three hours of southern conversation and we want you to be a part of the conversation you can go to our website yall.com y'all is the south's homepage. you can also text us if you want to at 803-816-1170 looking forward to hearing from you looking forward to be with you as we're going to get through this Friday and get you into the weekend, and it's going to be so much fun. So get ready. Get ready. Get set. Okay? All right. Enough of that. Let me tell you what is planned for this end of the week festivity of y'all. We have news from across the Southeast that we're going to get to. News coming out of Memphis. News coming out of all of our southern states. We'll share with you what that is. Also, this hour, we're going to continue our visit to 44 college, university, and higher education institutions, if you will. We're going to go to Lafayette, Louisiana, and we're going to honor the Louisiana Lafayette Ragin' Cajuns. And that is today's stop on our tour of college towns across the South as we get you ready for the start of college football season now less than two months away. That's coming up here on today's Y'all Show. We'll let you know more about the Cajuns' 2021 schedule. Remind you what they did last year. They went up and beat a Big 12 team in the opening weekend of the 2020 season. A lot of good football played along the bayous of Lafayette, Louisiana. And we're going to honor this Sunbelt team here today as we wrap up this week of Y'all. That's that's what's going on this hour with ULL. But we'll also, in Hour 3, come back and tell you more about the Raging Cajuns, their game day tradition, some of the most famous alumni, from Jake DeLome to Ali Landry and more. We'll let you know all about that as we honor the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, a.k.a. the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. All that coming up on today's Y'all Show. Also here in this first hour, we're going to rewind back to Wednesday on the program. We had a entertainment report, and we're going to let you once again hear Matthew McConaughey talking about what he did for the 4th of July and his message out to the country. That's coming up here on today's Y'all Show first hour. Also, Kobe Bennett's got a accent on all things Southern sports before we get out of here in this opening salvo of today's Y'all Show Hour number two, we're going to get it going with a little David Lee Murphy music to kind of get us in the party mode. And then some breaking news here on the Y'all Show. And unfortunately, it's sad news. I was just informed on Thursday night about the passing of one of the founding members of the beach band from the 1960s, The Occasions. Wayne Pittman passed away this week. And I have a personal connection to The Occasions and Wayne Pittman. For more than 20 years, The Occasions have had a member, and it's my first cousin, Rhonda. And so I've got to know The Occasions through the years, got to know Mr. Pittman. What happened was The Occasions were a band back in the 60s based out of North Carolina. And like most bands, they ended up going in their separate directions and such. Well, Mr. Pittman, who actually co-wrote the occasion's most famous song and he was the guitar player for that band he ended up keeping that name and keeping that band going all these decades later after their 1960s hit 
and my cousin who was much younger than mr Pittman, ended up being one of the singers of the occasions as they've toured the southeast for these 20 years with my cousin in tow bringing so many great memories and great sounds of the 60s and more and the occasions wayne Pittman has passed away now the song that they are most famous for we're going to play this in its entirety when we get to hour number two as part of our free for y'all weekend music entertainment section of this friday y'all 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 show but here's a little bit of that song from 1968 does this sound familiar oh i love those horns Woo! here we go The occasions. We're going to put them front and center. Hour two. Okay, we'll have more of that again coming up in hour two as we honor the occasions and beach music. It is July, and even though it's a sad thing that Wayne passed away this week of the occasions... We're going to let you know more about this band and their big song from 1968, Girl Watcher, and how they went from this obscure record label to being picked up on a national imprint and had a huge success with that. And just one of those great songs of the 60s that we'll let you know more about the occasions and beach music. It is summertime after all, and so we're going to definitely get you in a beach mode thanks to Girl Watcher. More of that information coming up in hour number two of today's Y'all show, you don't want to miss it. But again, our thoughts with the Pittman family, with the passing of one of the original members of The Occasions, Wayne Pittman, dying this week in the Carolinas. Also on today's Y'all show, in the second hour, we have a continuing look at headlines going on across the Southeast. Plus, we'll give you the latest on the new movies being released this weekend. That's hour two of our journey across the South today. Hour three today, we've got you all the sports information that you could possibly want, including an update from the NBA Finals. How about them suns? The sun shining brightly in the valley. And Phoenix gets a 2-0 series lead in the NBA Finals after they took care of the Milwaukee Bucks Thursday. We'll bring you the latest on the NBA. We'll let you know where NASCAR is racing this weekend. Also, we'll let you know where golf's going, plus that's most both the PGA Tour as it's marching its way to next week's Open Championship across the pond. We'll give you an update on the LPGA Tour, a South Carolinian right there hovering near the top of the leaderboard after the first round. We'll let you know about the LPGA. Plus, we'll give you all the latest with Major League Baseball, all that with our sports coverage in hour number two. Plus, we'll let you know more about the traditions of the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Again, we're on a march across 44 college towns, making our way up to the kickoff on Labor Day weekend. And we're going to have a lot of your Power 5 programs later in August. But right now in July, we're on a tour of maybe some of the smaller schools across the southeast. And today, it is Louisiana Lafayette. The Raging Cajuns will be spotlighted. We'll let you know more about the traditions on game day in Lafayette. And again, some of the more famous alums of the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. All that, plus we'll let you know more about some festivals going on across the region when we get to the end of our number three. Now, that is a very, very exciting hour plus two plus three hours of y'all coverage. Don't you think? I do believe. 
let's make a motion to get going here on this weekend celebration of y'all let me give you the latest out of kennesaw georgia authorities thursday afternoon arrested a man in the killing of three men found shot to death on that golf course in kennesaw that's the atlanta suburb in cobb county as the sheriff's department there in cobb counties and u.s marshals arrested a man named brian roden of Chambly, georgia that's about 25 miles southeast of where the slain men were discovered on saturday this past saturday found on the golf course these three men two people were in the back of a pickup truck on the 10th hole of this golf course there in kennesaw georgia and then the superintendent of the golf course was literally murdered because he came out on his golf cart to check out why there was a car or truck on the 10th green and he ends up being murdered because i assume he had witnessed what was going on there and according to authorities in cobb county Roden faces three counts of murder, three counts of aggravated assault, and two counts of kidnapping. The police chief there in Kennesaw described Roden as a lone shooter in the slayings, but he declined to give further details about what prompted the violence from Saturday as, again, three people killed at the Pine Tree Country Club in Kennesaw, Georgia. Just a gruesome, gruesome scene on a holiday weekend, and just sad to see a a professional golf superintendent there murdered in broad daylight on a golf course of all places which would be an oasis in normal times a 12 year old boy shoots and kills a man who broke into his home and threatened his mother this comes to us from louisiana near clinton at the end of june it's now being released that this youngster was killing a 12 year old killing a 32 year old man named brad leblanc as the 12 year old fatally shooting LeBlanc as the armed man broke into a home in Louisiana and the 12-year-old shot him because he was threatening his mother. In addition to breaking into the home, the East Feliciana Parish Sheriff Jeffrey Travis releasing details of what happened after there was an armed encounter and this happened at this house where this youngster lived with his, his mother. Mr. LeBlanc forced the woman inside and a struggle broke out between them. Then the 12-year-old, who authorities have not named, of course, feared for his mother's life and shot Brad LeBlanc with a hunting rifle. And the man, Mr. LeBlanc, who was from Vidalia, Louisiana, that's just across the Mississippi River from Natchez, Mississippi, he was pronounced dead at a hospital. So the 12-year-old fatally shooting this man after he, again, broke into a home, and assaulted his mother, or at least threatened his mother, and the 12-year-old taking things into his own hands. Very, I guess, brave and a loss of life there as well. Everybody's got a their own side, unfortunately, for LeBlanc. We, we won't hear his side as he's been killed as a result of this 12-year-old shooting him. An update from the Atlanta suburbs. I don't know if you remember or if I even brought this up. There's been some crazy animal escape stories here in the last month i don't know if it's the summer heat or what's going on but we got a lot of wild game on the loose in the southeast right now and one thing that i don't know if i covered or not was an exotic african cat was on the loose in the atlanta area in recent days and now the owner of this african cat must surrender this feline after it entered into a neighbor's home and how would you like to be that neighbor's home when you're there and this 
crazy cat who's not even supposed to be in this hemisphere ends up being there in your own home. The cat named Nala, after a character from Disney's Lion King, was reported loose back on June 30th, and it ended up being in another person's home. And I'm trying to get the exact breed of cat this thing is. I know it's from Africa, and I know it looks kind of cool, but it, it is illegal in Georgia to own this cat, and therefore you shouldn't have it's an African serval cat. Kind of looks like a bobcat, but a little skinnier. The person whose house this thing came into reported to the newspaper there in Atlanta, I just heard this thump on my bed and I felt something land in my bed. I f- opened my eyes and there was this cat in my bed staring at me. Yeah, I remember the story now. This person awoke with this African serval cat in their bed. <laughs> Surprise! Oh, on Thursday, the Georgia Department of Natural Resources said the cat was being kept at a temporary location until until it can be moved into a wildlife sanctuary. How do these things even get into this country? All these kind of wild game that are coming from places like Africa. African serval cats can weigh around 30 pounds and run up to 50 miles per hour. Woo, that's a fast cat. And we don't want these things getting... in a zoo is fine, but definitely being held in somebody's house, and in this case, escaping and going over to the neighbor's house and pulling off a stunt like jumping on their bed while they're probably sound asleep and dreaming of rainbows and ponies and things like that. And then what a what a surprise there with a big old African cat watching you sleep and snore. <laughs> Repeats, repeats Parish in Louisiana, man arrested on a cattle theft charge for the third time. Strike three, you're out there, Mr. Repeats Parish, Louisiana man. The Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry announcing the arrest of 42-year-old Justin G. Thompson on livestock theft-related charges. Now, I know it's really bad, especially in the old West days, to be a horse thief. And I think they'd hang you for being a horse thief. I assume it's just as bad in the Old West times, and that includes today's times, to be a darn cattle thief. Come on. And this guy, Mr. Thompson, is a livestock thief for now the third time in Louisiana. Now, he is from Heinston, Louisiana, and he was booked into the Wood County, Texas jail in Quitman, facing five counts of theft over $25,000 and one count of theft over $5,000. He's had his extradition waived and his pending transfer back into Louisiana to the St. Tammany Parish Jail. Investigators with the LDAF Brand Commission received a complaint from a livestock dealer that evidently they had some cows missing, and it looks like this guy was the guilty party. He was arrested back in 2019 on three warrants from Texas for theft of livestock in excess of $91,000. Whew, that's a, I mean, I I don't know enough. I should kind of admit I don't know a lot about the cattle industry and breeding and things like that, but don't they brand all these cows? Kind of hard to not know that something is not yours if you go out and steal it like this guy. If if true, Mr. Thompson, you're a lowlife, you're a a cow stealing 
Louisiana lowlife in Rapides Parish, and somewhere there's a pasture they need to put you out to. If you're guilty, if you're innocent, we will let you slide, sir. Let's talk about a positive Louisiana story for a moment. How about your new spelling bee champ? She is a Louisiana lady, and she just won the big spelling bee, the 2021 Scripps National Spelling Bee, which was held at Disney World this week. And Harvey, Louisiana's Zalia Avant-Garde wins the championship. And she is a prodigy, not just because she knows how to spell really well, but she's also an incredible basketball player. And a lot of people know what she does on the basketball court and what she can do with her skills. This 14-year-old owns three Guinness World Records for dribbling multiple balls simultaneously, and she hopes to one day play in the WNBA or even coach in the NBA. She describes spelling as a side hustle. (laughs) She actually called it a hobby, even though she has routinely practiced for the spelling bee for seven hours a day. And now this young Louisiana lady, 14 years old, is your national spelling bee champion. Congratulations to Zalia Avant-Garde from Harvey, Louisiana, a very intelligent and talented southerner your spelling bee champion. Now, let me get my Merriam-Webster out and try to give her some competition in the near future. To Richmond, Virginia, and they're removing a statue in Virginia. What are you talking about? There's no way that they're tearing down statues in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Tell me it ain't so. It is so, and, and of course I'm being facetious, but this story today is not a Confederate statue that's coming down again in Virginia where they've gone Confederate crazy and are wiping all of that history away. It looks like in the Commonwealth, which once was the proud capital of the CSA. But this week, the story is that Virginia is soon going to remove the cap from the Capitol grounds there on Capitol square in Richmond, the statue of Harry F. Byrd senior, a former governor of Virginia and a longtime U S Senator Lawmakers in Richmond voted to remove the statue earlier in 2021, a decision that came amid a year-long movement in Virginia to rethink how figures are honored in Virginia's public spaces. Now, Senator Byrd, former Governor Byrd, was a very powerful political machine in Virginia for decades, back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, but he was also considered the architect of Virginia's racist massive resistance policy to public school integration. Now, a larger-than-life statue of Senator Byrd, and this is not Robert Byrd, this is the former Virginia senator, a statue erected in 1976 located just a stone's throw from Virginia's historic capital, which, by the way, was once the capital of the Confederate States of America. And now it looks like this statue is going to be replaced and or at least move for the time being. More on Harry Flood Bird Sr. He was born in 1887. He died in 1966. He was a newspaper publisher before getting into politics and a leader of the Democratic Party in Virginia for four decades 
and had kind of a faction of that Virginia Democratic Party called the Bird Organization. His last name spelled just like West Virginia's longtime senator. It's B-Y-R-D, Harry F. Byrd. He was a governor of Virginia. He was Virginia's 50th governor, serving from 1926 until 1930. And then he became a U.S. senator from the Commonwealth, serving from 1933 until 1965. And he died in Virginia in 1966 at the age of 79. Oddly enough, he was born in Martinsburg, West Virginia, and then came into Virginia as a youngster and lived out his life there. But uh, yeah, here's a guy, a 20th century figure, if you will, who ends up having a statue built. And it looks like the statue of Senator Byrd of Virginia will be relocated and probably put in a corner of a warehouse and forgotten about very, very soon. He actually at one time was a candidate for U.S. president. I don't think it went very far back in the 20s and 30s when he was being considered, but he was a fixture for a long time. And if you're old enough to remember him as a senator from Virginia, you know the name Harry F. Byrd. Not Harry Reasoner or Harry, uh, the guy from the senator from Harry was it Carson? I'm already forgetting the senator from Nevada from a few years ago. Harry Reid. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's the weekend. I got the weekend on my mind. But yeah, Richmond looking to make a move there on this statue. We have more headlines from across the southeast that we're going to cover on today's y'all show. We will get to that as we continue on on today's y'all show. In fact, talking about politics, stay tuned. We have an update on Tennessee's governor as he's headed to the border. And I'm not talking about the border with Alabama or Mississippi or even that little tiny border that Tennessee shares with Missouri. Nope. He is headed to that other border this weekend. And I'll let you know more about where Governor Bill Lee, why he's going there, and he becomes the latest Republican to follow that route to the Rio Grande. All that is coming up on today's Y'all Show. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. We're going to tell you all about the raging Cajuns of the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. That's up next here on Talk with a Southern Accent. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College football tour stop. Here's Johnny. Oh, can you feel it? Less than two months away from the start of college football, and today we're going to take you down to the bayou as our spotlight today is on the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette.
All right, all you Cajun fans, get ready to cook up the filet gumbo and get the crawfish going because we've got one little party here in celebration of the Sunbelt Conference member. And Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns, you are today's spotlight. We're on a 44-city tour. We're going to take you all the way up to Labor Day weekend with our highlight of college football programs across the Southeast and let you know about how they're doing on the gridiron. But in addition to getting you through some of the X's and O's discussion, we will also have some fun and let you know about the traditions of schools like Louisiana Lafayette. We'll let you know about some of the great things that you'll see on game day if you're able to go in and see a football game there. They've got some excitement going on. And they just announced, and I'll tell you what this is, they've got a new name coming to their football stadium because they just got there in Lafayette, a big, big donation, a $15 million donation into the athletic department. And we'll tell you about that as we continue on today's Y'all Show, spotlighting the Raging Cajuns. Let me remind you about this program. Louisiana Lafayette has been playing football since 1901. Billy Napier is the coach. He has done a great job. In fact, he did such a good job. He was supposed to be perhaps the South Carolina Gamecocks head football coach. He was going to be perhaps the Auburn Tigers football coach in this past offseason. I think he had the chance to go to both of those schools if he wanted. Ends up staying and getting a a nice payday, by the way. But at Cajun Field... With a capacity of 41,000, those fans have been in love with this program a long time. They've seen Louisiana Lafayette transform from what was once USL, University of Southwest Louisiana, into University of Louisiana Lafayette. And now, more they kind of go by the moniker of Louisiana, which I think is somewhat wrong. (laughs) There shouldn't be a University of Louisiana, whenever Louisiana Monroe has just as much right to call themselves University of Louisiana if they wanted to. But, hey, that's uh, the way the cookie crumbles. And so it's the Louisiana Raging Cajuns is what they prefer to go by in case you're keeping score at home. And the Raging Cajuns have a pretty good bowl record. They've been 6-3 and three throughout their their history. They have won nine conference titles. They've got rivalries with that other Louisiana school, ULM, up in Monroe. They've had longtime rivalries with their neighbors in that part of Louisiana. McNeese State over in Lake Charles was a team they played a lot throughout history. Don't play them as much now since they're not even in the same FBS-FCS alignment. But the Raging Cajuns football team, Billy Napier, a former Furman Paladin quarterback, a guy who's from East Tennessee originally has done a good job coaching this program. Let me remind you a little bit about what Louisiana Lafayette's done on the gridiron lately. In 2020, Napier led them to a 7-1 conference record. They were 10-1 overall. And one of those wins they had in 2020 was they went into Big 12 country and they got a nice win on the road to start the 2020 season. You may remember that. They went into Ames and they got a victory over Iowa State in September. And that was one heck of a way to get the season started. 
with that impressive win over the number 23 team in the country at that time, winning 31-14. to It wasn't even close on September 12th when they went in and won that game. And then they ended up doing a great job in the Sunbelt Conference games they were supposed to be uh, – that they played. They only lost one game, and it was a nail-biter. They lost to Coastal Carolina at home by three, and that's what helped propel Coastal Carolina to a lot of attention in the 2020 football season. But the Cajuns ended up winning all their other conference games, and then they were going to have a conference championship game against Coastal Carolina to determine the Sunbelt champion outright. And the game scheduled at Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina, ended up being canceled because of a coronavirus outbreak with the Chanticleers. And so they were both given the co-championship of the Sunbelt in 2020. And the Raging Cajuns went on to play in the first responder bowl. They played the Roadrunners of UTSA, and they won that bowl game 31-24. So they are coming off of a one-loss season in 2020 and a bowl victory. There's a lot of things going good for the Raging Cajuns. Let me remind you a little bit about Coach Napier. He is right at 41 years old. He'll have a birthday in just a couple of days. He'll be turning 42. He's from Cookville, Tennessee. As I said, he was a quarterback for the Furman Paladins back in the early 2000s and then has been an assistant at Clemson at South Carolina State, and he was an analyst at Alabama before moving over to Colorado State as an assistant head coach before getting the job as the Raging Cajuns head coach. In 2018 is when he came into Lafayette to lead this program. Right now, he's got a head coaching record of 28-11 and 11 and has won two of the three bowl games. As I said, he won the Sun Belt in 2020. Billy Napier, a name, again, mentioned as a possible replacement of head coaches at South Carolina and at Auburn in the past offseason. He's done a very, very good job with a program that his predecessor there, Hudspeth, did a good job too. But I think Napier might be taking this program to a whole nother level. When they won that game at Iowa State, it was a huge weekend for the little old Sun Belt Conference. That same weekend that the Cajuns won in Ames, you also had Arkansas State winning at Kansas State. And then Coastal Carolina beat Kansas. You had three Sunbelt teams beating Big 12 teams in the same weekend last week. Talk about a nightmare for that conference, the Big 12, but a great weekend for the Sunbelt. And that follows, I think, the previous year. Georgia State went in and won at Rocky Top against Tennessee back in the 2019 season. But it's all Raging Cajuns right now. Let me tell you about that story that came out about the Cajun Field renovations and a new name. You're going to soon have the Raging Cajuns playing at Cajun Field at Our Lady of Lords Stadium because that's the local hospital in the Lafayette area. And Our Lady of Lords has given the University of Louisiana at Lafayette $15 million to help with the revitalization of Cajun Field. And ultimately, it's going to be called the Stadium Cajun Field at Our Lady of Lords Stadium. It's the first major renovation of this stadium in its 50-year existence. It opened in 1971. And now 
I've seen the footage of this thing. They just had a press conference just the other week to announce this thing in Lafayette being revitalized. And it's really, really cool. Cajun Field got a new name coming. And I think the basketball team plays at Cajun Dome. Elvis even played there in Lafayette. If you want to go check me on that, you're welcome to. But as far as Raging Cajun football, it's going to be an exciting 2021 season with more money coming into the program, championships being crowned. Let me tell you about the schedule for the Raging Cajuns here with Coach Napier in 2021. It's a big one to get things going. And, hey, they're playing a Big 12 team again to start this season. As on September 4th, the Cajuns will cross over that Sabine River and head to the state capital of their neighbor, the state of Texas. And they're going to take on the Texas Longhorns on the 4th of September on the 40 Acres. You'll be able to watch this game on the Fox TV network. It's the Horns and the Cajuns in that opening weekend. And then they're back at Cajun Field at Our Lady of Lords Stadium (laughs) to take on Nichols State, the Colonels coming over from Thibodeau. This is a game set for September 11th. And then they'll be playing a non-conference game against a team out of the MAC. The Ohio Bobcats come into Cajun country for a game on the 16th of September. Then it's a Sunbelt opener on the road at Statesboro. Georgia Southern, the opponent, on the 25th of September. October, they'll be over in Mobile at South Alabama's beautiful new stadium there on the Mobile campus. App State comes into Lafayette on the 12th. The Cajuns will be in Jonesboro to take on the Arkansas State Red Wolves on the 21st of October. It's Texas State coming into Cajun Field on October 30th. Georgia State is in Lafayette on November 4th. The Cajuns travel to the Wiregrass to take on the Troy Trojans on November 13th. They'll be at Liberty in a non-conference action in Lynchburg on November 20th. And then they wrap up the 2021 regular season with a game against the ULM Warhawks. That's a game set for Lafayette and this rivalry to wrap up the 2021 season for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Our spotlight school here on today's Y'all Show. And we're going to revisit the University of Louisiana at Lafayette in Hour 3 today. We're going to take time to tell you more about the college. We'll let you know about some of the great traditions the Raging Cajuns have. And we'll be sharing with you some of their most famous alums who have gone to that school in Lafayette, Louisiana. And they've got some people that you definitely have heard of, from filmmakers to journalists, musicians, actors, actresses, even an NFL quarterback or two have come out of the Raging Cajuns. So we'll be giving you much more information about this Sunbelt program when the Y'all Show keeps coming on at you like a Piro there in the bayou of Lafayette, Louisiana. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we have I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it. We had an entertainment report earlier in the week, and Matthew McConaughey gave us a 4th of July greeting. We're going to let you hear that. Plus, we'll let you know more about Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani getting hitched in Oklahoma. Happy wedding day to the Sheltons. All that's coming up when the Y'all Show continues.
We're back on talk with a Southern accent, kind of wrapping things up here for this first hour of our getting the weekend going. We've got an entertainment focus segment here. And if you happen to not tune in to the Wednesday show and you should have shame on you, shame on y'all. If you missed out, well, guess what? We are all about customer service here on the y'all show. And on our Wednesday show, we had an entertainment report that's just, you know, frankly, it's worth playing a little bit of this entertainment report again on this end of the week celebration. And the reason we do that is because here on this Friday edition, we have what we call ICYMI in case y'all missed it. And we're going to rewind back to Wednesday when we had this entertainment report. And we're going to let you know what Matthew McConaughey had to tell everybody as Matthew he pulled out the old video camera back on the 4th of July and had a message to America as the country celebrated its 245th birthday this week. And the Texan took time to put out a message. The guy, he, he's a he's a smart guy. I guess they use the term cerebral. He's a very cerebral fella. I don't know if he was influenced by anything when he sat down to do this thing he looked a little scary if you see the video that he's got out on his social media accounts a little scary but he, he might be the next governor of, uh, of, of texas matthew mcconaughey but he at least was giving uncle sam a run for the money on the fourth of july when he came out and put a message out we're going to hear a portion of mcconaughey's fourth of july greeting and here on this rewind back to our wednesday entertainment report Yours truly is going to tell you about the South's newest newlyweds. Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani tied the knot over the holiday weekend on Blake's Oklahoma farm. And we are going to let you know a little bit about that. And frankly, as a wedding gift to the Sheltons, as we wrap up this segment into the start of the second hour of this y'all show, we'll let you hear some of their song that they've had out in the last year as they made beautiful music, and I mean music as in like real music, not what they might be doing off the stage, but they made really good music with a song called Happy Anywhere, and we're going to let you hear a portion of that song, a big hit for Gwen and Blake this year. I'll let you also know more about this new Southern carpet-bagging pop star as she's come into Oklahoma and stolen one of Oklahoma's great men. Gwen Stefani. I'll let you know more about the California kid when we finish up hearing our entertainment report. But again, let's go back to Wednesday and hear a portion of this report. And this is ICYMI, in case y'all missed it. Take it away, Matthew McConaughey, sir. Happy birthday, America. Yes, indeed, as we celebrate our independence today, as we celebrate our birth as a nation, a day that kick-started a a, a revolution to gain our sovereignty. Let's admit that this last year's trip around the sun was also another head scratch. We are babies. You know, as a country, we are basically going through puberty in comparison to um, other countries' timelines. Um, And we're going to go through growing pains. We are going through growing pains. This is not an excuse to say this. It's just a reality. And this is good because we got to keep learning. We got to keep maturing. We got to keep striving. We got to keep climbing. We got to keep building. And we got to make sure we maintain hope along the way as we continue to evolve. Why? Because it's who we are. Why? Because the alternative sucks. (laughs) I believe that America and you and I, I believe we're an aspiration. All right? 
We're constantly in motion. We're on the way, trying to get wiser, trying to get braver, trying to dream more, trying to do more, trying to, 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 to be more fair, take the right kind of responsibilities to gain the right kind of freedoms. And we've got to keep realizing that we're a place where our individual pursuits and desires uh, need to be appreciative and supportive of our collective responsibilities as Americans, hence the United States of America. Sure, we're each unique. We're each independent. We each have innate abilities that others don't have as people and as states. But at the same time, we are all in this together. And if you don't purchase that, move on. Go somewhere else. (laughs) Okay, we'll do just that. Matthew McConaughey, did you like that? The philosopher there? and potential next governor of the state of Texas with his happy 245th birthday America Let's Rock message. You can find that in its entirety if you go to his Twitter handle, which I don't think too many people out there at one point when Twitter was getting up and going tried to claim the Twitter handle at McConaughey. And that's Matthew McConaughey's Twitter handle. Not Matthew, but just at McConaughey. M-C-C-O-N-A-U-G-H-E-Y. If you would just put a T in there, it would be McNaughty, hey, naughty, naughty boy. But he was pretty good there. I was actually impressed. It didn't look like he was having maybe the uh, most wild of parties for his 4th of July party by putting that message out. Matthew McConaughey. He's a big star. Now, we've got some other big star news that we're going to share with you. Mrs. Blake Shelton. That is what you can now call Gwen Stefani. As Gwen and Blake Shelton took advantage of the 4th of July weekend to get hitched in Blake's native Oklahoma. Carson Daly actually officiated this wedding, and they tied the knot by singing a version of the lyric of a song called Running. That was a song made famous by No Doubt. They sang that song, and they got married on Saturday. This was put out on Gwen Stefani's Instagram account where she shared pictures of the celebration. And this is Blake Shelton's third marriage. It is Gwen Stefani's second marriage. They became engaged back in October with Blake popping the question while in Oklahoma. And now together they are married. They first met on the set of The Voice back in 2015. They won a CMT Music Award for their song, Nobody But You. And here they are, a husband and wife. Now, Gwen has three sons, Kingston, Zuma, and Apollo, from her marriage to Gavin Rossdale. And Blake Shelton, I think, he doesn't have any children that I'm aware of. Of course, he and Miranda Lambert were married, and they split up in 2015. But together, they are now a couple, Blake Shelton marrying for the third time, and Gwen Stefani, the mother of three, with her television partner, and now partner in life, Blake Shelton. And kudos to them for getting married somewhere around Blake's hometown there in southeastern Oklahoma. I think he's from, oh, what is the name of that town? I should know. It's part of the Chickasaw area of of Oklahoma. I do know that. I guess Blake's got some Chickasaw blood in him. I know what he's got. He's got a lot of red in him too, redneck, just like me. (laughs) And he's a good Okie. And a great, great, fun guy that now together with Gwen, they're going to be making headlines at least more and more as a married couple. Congratulations. 
And that was a portion of our interview from this week on the Y'all Show where we did an entertainment report and we celebrated the new Shelton marriage, Blake and Gwen Stefani. You can go back to our Wednesday archives and pull out that in its entirety. And I want to point something out. Here at the Y'all Show, we have our own staff nurse. And I asked our staff nurse, Miss Tina, if she heard any of our shows this week, what she thought about my performance and it may not be i might not be out of the hospital with this yet but i definitely could hear it from our wednesday conversation on our entertainment report she said i sounded like i was on some kind of heavy medication and you know what she's right we've we've done some changes with our equipment here and i promise you i'm not heavily medicated and i was certainly not medicated wednesday and i'm not medicated today i'm just high on life but uh Something is really weird with some of the settings here in our new studio setup, and I sound a little drunk or something like that. So we're hopefully going to get that fixed even more than what it is now. So if you if you heard that and you're sitting there thinking, man, this John guy's letting this y'all show fame get to his head, and I think he's in there boozing it up, and that's not the case. It's kind of weird how equipment might make you sound a little bit out of your head. So I apologize for that i do know that uh i think i found where blake sheldon is from i think he is from tishmingo oklahoma it's where his hometown is and he's again in that kind of southeastern quadrant of the sooner state and let me tell you about his new bride gwen stefani gwen is a california lady she is 51 years old she's actually older than old blake old old red is as a little young pup compared to the 51-year-old Gwen Stefani, the mother of three, and now the wife of Blake Shelton. Her previous husband was Gavin Rossdale. Y'all know who they, Gavin Rossdale, he's a British singer, songwriter, and was the lead singer of a rock band called Bush. And he and Gwen were together for a few years in marriage and then Gwen before him was with Tony Pinal, a British rock producer, songwriter, singer. She likes these singers for some reason. You know, I think a lot of the ladies out there like these long haired singers for some reason. But Gwen grew up in the Fullerton area. She was raised in a Catholic family there in Southern California. She was raised Catholic there and was named after a stewardess in the 1968 novel Airport. And her middle name, Renee, comes from the Four Tops 1968 version of the Left Bank's 1966 song called Walk Away Renee. So she's got music heritage there in her blood, Gwen Stefani. And her career really got going With no doubt, her brother introduced Gwen to two-tone music by Madness and the Selector, and she provided vocals for No Doubt, which was a band, and she started performing with them and then went on to record her debut solo album in the early 2000s, Love Angel Music Baby. That came out in 2004, and again, she became a a very big star, ended up getting on The Voice. And now she's married to Blake Shelton. Married at Shelton's Ranch on July 3rd. They got engaged back in October, but together they're now married, and we wish them 
all the best. What Gwen and Blake, or, or should we call them Gwake, is that kind of their musician famous name? You know how everybody kind of combines the Brangelas and and the famous couples kind of get that kind of treatment when they are really big and famous? That sounds like a pretty good combination. But they have had a song out in the last year, and we're going to let you hear this as we go to break. Happy Anywhere. This is a really catchy country song. And we're going to go to break with Gwen and Blake, the Shelton family. And they're happy anywhere. They're together. And we're happy for them. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we'll wrap up this first hour up with a Southern accent on Southern sports. Kobe's going to be telling you all about that. And that's up next here. Enjoy. This is the Y'all Show. Southern accent. Here's your Southern sports update from Yaw.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. Major League Baseball has an illegal substance issue on its hands. Quite literally, ball doctoring has become rampant in the league with the majority of pitchers using some sort of substance in order to improve the spin and therefore movement of the ball. Whether it be pine tar or sunscreen, so-called grip enhancers have been banned since the 1920s spitball. However, enforcement of the rule has been extremely light, as shown by Gaylord Perry, who freely admitted to it in his 1974 autobiography, Me and the Spitter, and yet continued to play consequence-free to 1983, even being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 91. Now the MLB is taking cautious steps in combating the shady practices by adding new tech to their arsenal that will analyze the spin of the ball for any changes that banned substances might cause. Hopefully, these advances will help in straightening the cheating curve in America's greatest pastime. Sports headlines and more at y'all.com. Very good information coming from Kobe Bennett here on the Y'all Show. That's actually Kobe's final report that he's doing for us as he's uh, moving on in life. So we wish him all the best, but appreciate him over the last couple of months filing his reports. And best of luck with his career as he's a recent college graduate, a UU alum, And we wish him well. Kobe, thank you so much for your Southern accent reports and more. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we have a whole nother hour that we've got lined up for you. So stay tuned for the fun. We're going to have a little party crowd coming from David Lee Murphy to get things going. And then we have lost a beach music great here this week. Wayne Pittman passed away, a member of the Occasions, and their 1968 song, Girl Watcher is one of the best beach songs and blue-eyed soul songs you got out there to choose from. And we're going to let you hear Girl Watcher, taking you back to the 60s and some Carolina beach music. That's coming up next on the show that's all about the South. This is the Y'all Show. We'll be right back. It's the Y'all Show, Hour 2 of this Friday celebration of the weekend. We're getting you in the party mode. Take it away, David Lee Murphy. She couldn't keep from crying When she told me goodbye Well, I know, Lord, it was breaking her heart That she was breaking mine 
Getting you ready for the weekend. I know you've had a great but short week. Many of you were off on Monday. You might have been off Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for all I know, but it doesn't matter. It's summertime, it's the South, and we're ready to have a great weekend, y'all. So sing along, slamming them back, and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick. The blues can't hang around. We're glad you're hanging around. Y'all talk with a southern accent. Jumping like you just don't care if the dancing over here or fighting over there. I'm making the rounds. Looking for a party crowd. Whoa, let me hear you out there, South. I don't care if you're in Conroe, Texas. If you're hanging out right now in Kingsport, Tennessee. If you're hanging out in Spring Lake, North Carolina, let me hear from you. How about you, Florida? What's going on in Bellevue right now? Let me hear from you here, y'all show. We're getting you ready for the weekend. It's talk with a southern accent. We've got a busy second hour. In just a few minutes, we're going to tell you all about the fishing forecast for the weekend. Craig Faulkner dropping by. It's the 4th of July week. You know, we had that on Sunday so with the 4th of July still in mind, Craig's going to be dropping by and letting us about how you need to be safe out on the waters of Dixie. Lots of boats last weekend likely going to have, if you've got good weather, people on the lake, on the on the inland waterways, out on the Gulf and Atlantic coast, enjoying the, the waters of the south. We just need to be careful. Craig Fawner is going to be dropping by in just a little bit with our boating safety lesson of the week right here on the show that's all about the South. I'm General John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American, and we're just tickled that you decided to take some time to get your Southern on here on the Y'all Show. And speaking of the, the waters and beaches of the South, 
it's one thing to have that beautiful surf and sand and sun too to go along with it but man if you could just add a little cherry on top of all that if you had a little music to go along with your ocean escape of the south and i know one thing is synonymous with the ocean of the carolinas and that's beach music and here on the y'all show it's july it we're we're past the fourth of july now it's it's dead center summertime here in the southeast and if you're from the carolinas you know all about beach music it is a fantastic format not often heard across the entire southeast but if you're anywhere near myrtle beach or you're in wilmington if you're in south carolina north carolina or surrounding states you probably know a little bit about beach music and here on today's y'all show we're going to play one of the best beach music songs ever made unfortunately we're playing this today because of the passage of a founding member of the occasions wayne Pittman died this week in the columbia south carolina area wayne Pittman was a founding member of the occasions which formed back in the late 1950s in kenley north carolina and that's actually well inland from the coast as it's in johnston and wilson counties in north carolina but a couple of north carolinians forming this band and in the 60s they made good music so much so that in 1968 they had a million seller song girl watcher we're going to play girl watcher in just a minute but more on the occasions as the occasions founding members had donnie weaver on vocals trumpet was eddie dement love that trumpet you're going to hear that trumpet in action when we play girl watcher had a saxophone gerald toller playing that you had jimmy hennett playing bass and steve watson on drums and Wayne Pittman was the guitarist for the occasions. Now, they were definitely what you would call a one-hit wonder. 1968's Girl Watcher, it went to number five on the charts, but was a million-seller record on ABC Records. And they never really had any success beyond that from a singles standpoint. But that was a heck of a one-hit wonder the occasions had. And just like all bands after that big hit and maybe not having a follow-up success, the band dissipated. They went their separate ways. But in the end, Wayne Pittman decided to keep the occasions going with a whole different lineup. He ended up settling in South Carolina, and he got the occasions name and brand and sound up and going. And for decades the occasions have played in wedding ceremonies. They've played at celebrations. They've played at corporate events all across the Southeast. There's a chance you might've run into the occasions at some point. <laughs> and they, with that great 60s sound and fun sound have been a wonderful memory for many of you across the Southeast for all these decades. And thanks in part to Wayne Pittman, for keeping the band, even though it's a really different lineup from what it was in the 60s, just a wonderful thing. Now, one of the members of the occasions here of the occasions 2.0 was my first cousin, Rhonda. Rhonda and I are the same age. We grew up on the same farm. Love her. She's awesome. She's an old woman now. She's she's about two months older than me. 
Ah, that was a shameless jab at you there, Runky. Ron has been a great member of this occasions for 20 plus years. And the occasions, I've done a lot of music reporting and journalism in my career. I've worked on 16th Avenue in Nashville. I've been getting reviews of records put in publications for 30 years now. Worked in country music radio for over four decades. But it's only been the occasions that ever invited me on the road to come along with the band. And I got a chance to do that. I went to Greer, South Carolina for an event one time with the occasions. And Wayne was the reason for that. As I went and actually did a story on the band and Wayne Pittman of the occasions let me ride along and I got to see them with their great music and great entertainment there in the upstate of South Carolina. So that's the one thing connection to me that I really appreciate the occasions and Wayne Pittman for allowing me to come along with the band and getting an experience firsthand like that. Wayne Pittman, again, passing away Wednesday. He leaves behind a lot of fans and family and people that really got to like the guy and appreciate his love of music and his incredible guitar playing. The Occasions and Wayne Pittman. Wayne Pittman, besides being just a member of The Occasions, he co-wrote the band's signature song, Girl Watcher. He wrote this alongside Ronald Collette, and it became a big song in March 1968 on North State Records before ultimately ABC came in and put it on its imprint. And Girl Watcher went on to get a gold record status for sales of over a million, certified by the RIA organization in 1968. It reached number five on the Billboard Hot 100, number six on the Billboard Hot Rhythm and Blues single chart. This is Blue-Eyed Soul, but it's also great Carolina Beach music. And we're going to let you hear from 1968 this song, Girl Watcher. And if you're listening to it for the first time and you hear that beat and that sound, you might be thinking to yourself, I've heard this song somewhere else. Well, the occasion's Girl Watcher has been covered. As Tam White released a version back in the same year of 68 in, the, in Great Britain, Spontaneous Combustion released their own version of the song in 2004. But more importantly, perhaps, you've heard this song if you're a wheel watcher. As Myrtle Beach, uh, North, forgive me, y'all, North Myrtle Beach's own Vanna White, while she was spinning the wheel there on the Wheel of Fortune and turning those letters along with Pat, at one point, Girl Watcher got turned into a promotional commercial for Wheel of Fortune. I'm a wheel watcher. I'm a wheel watcher. So all you Wheel of Fortune fans out there probably know this song for that reason. And perhaps it's Carolina Girl, Carolina Beach Girl, Vanna White, the reason this song ended up getting picked to be a theme song for the Wheel of Fortune many, many years ago. But it's a, it's a great song. Let me shut up and let Wayne Pittman rest in peace, Wayne. Again, a guy I got to know a little bit. And we all are just appreciative of your incredible talent. And here is a song Wayne Pittman co-wrote and the occasions made famous in 1968. It's Girl Watcher on the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent.
Can you imagine summer 1968 at Ocean Isle Beach, Sunset Beach, or North Myrtle Beach, down on Pauly's Island? They just rocked away the night to songs like that one right there from The Occasions, a song co-written by its founding member, Wayne Pittman, who we lost this week in Columbia, South Carolina. We hope you enjoyed this. And again, Beach Music, if you have not given it an option sometime, if, if you like that song right there from The Occasions and Girl Watcher, you're going to like Beach Music. You're going to like The Occasions. Again, The Occasions will, we think, continue on even though it's godfather there. Wayne Pittman passed away this week. Go to the website, theoccasions.com. That is V-O-K-A-Y-S-I-O-N-S. You can learn more about the band, but more importantly, the sound's going to continue, and you can maybe book the occasions to come to a wedding or some kind of great celebration across the Southeast. They are looking to continue beach music into the 21st century in a big way, and you can help by going to the website, theoccasions.com. And who knows, good old Rhonda just might come to the event and sing her little heart out with songs like Girl Watcher from The Occasions. We appreciate you letting me have a little personal time to thank a great Southerner and a Southern music maker in Wayne Pittman, one of the original members of The Occasions who we, again, lost this week. We're here on the Y'all Show. We talk more about things than just music here on Talk with a Southern Accent. We like to talk about the outdoors, too. And when we come back, Craig Faulkner's dropping by. It's a busy time on the waters of Dixie, and he's going to let you know about some boating safety measures that you need to be taking into place if you're going to be hitting the waters. That's coming up next as the Y'all Show Friday edition continues. 803-816-1170 is how you can text us here, and maybe we'll play more beach music if that's what y'all want we'll be right back y'all on the y'all show getting you ready for the big holiday weekend and what a long weekend it is as we have the fourth on sunday and then the national holiday where most everybody has the day off of work arrives on monday and then i bet a lot of people really aren't really going to get back to work the entire week if i had to project but what i can project accurately here on the y'all show talk with a southern accent is it's going to be a busy busy weekend on the waterways of the southeast and we welcome in our outdoors go-to guy craig faulkner for his fishing forecast for the fourth of july holiday weekend and craig i want to know what is going on what is it all a boat a boat 
<laughs> I got that, John. How yeah. are you today? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's going to be a busy weekend. It's going to be a busy weekend, that's for sure. Uh, boating, uh, pleasure boating uh, and fishing has really boomed ever since the COVID. Uh, and uh, I was out at uh, our TWRA office earlier today, and uh, the girl made a comment about how many more uh out-of-state license they've been selling over the last two years and how many boat registration uh, uh, has increased, you know, like double from what it was on a regular year just here in the last two years. So, yeah, and you make it uh, 4th of July weekend, the waterways will be very crowded. So be careful. And with that in mind, thanks to agencies across the southeast who handle the boating safety and more we have some pretty good things we want to talk about from a guideline perspective that is applicable no matter what waterway you're going to be in this summer, specifically here, the busiest weekend of the year. And, Craig, sadly, before you came in here, I just did a simple Google search of July 4th boating accidents, and it was really sad to see how many people end up being killed across the southeast, across the country this weekend and we've seen instances of three, four people in some accidents. I know there's been more. And just be careful. We don't want anybody to lose their life on what should be a wonderful weekend. Now, tell me what some of the tips and guidelines the state agencies of the South are telling people to avoid being in the headlines for the wrong reason. Well, number one, uh, if you're in a motorized boat and you're meeting head-on or coming towards another motorized boat, just remember to always stay to your right. So if you're, one boat's going north and the other's coming south, both of them bear to the right. So you'll have uh, applicable space in between the boats, and uh, you won't have any problem with wakes. Uh, another thing to uh, consider is there is no actual right-of-way when two uh, motorized boats meet. But if a motorized boat uh, comes up to a non-motorized boat, whether it be a sailboat or a paddleboard or anything that's not as maneuverable as a motorized boat, the motorized boat is supposed to give the right-of-way to the non-motorized boat hmm. and still retain to the right of the vessel you're approaching. Um, that's two things to keep in mind when you're meeting traffic on the water. Uh, also be considerate of, uh, smaller craft and be respective of bigger craft because you're going to have bigger wakes. And, um, the wake is normally what causes most of the problems, but, uh, cause there's not many blind spots on the water unless you're coming right into a creek and you, and you need to be careful about that too. If you're pulling off of a, uh, a lake or a river system, and you're coming into a creek with a narrow entra- entrance. Um, a lot of times, people are fishing on the mouth of those creeks. You may you come in there too fast, and you may be be up on another boat boat before you know it. So slow down when you get any blind uh, spots. You know, pulling into around just like when you come around a curve on a road. Same difference. You can't see around that curve. You tend to slow down a little bit because you don't know what you're going to meet when you make that bend. Yeah. All right. All helpful things. Craig Faulkner sharing some 
boating safety tips here for the busiest weekend on the water all year. What else? Uh, another thing uh, are some of the things that are required to have on a boat. Uh, uh, number one, you have to have your boat registered with the state, with the state of Tennessee. Is that a yearly thing? Uh, you can actually buy one year at a time, or you can get a discount by buying multiple years. Oh. And when you register your boat, they'll give you a registration number, letters and numbers. And you also have to have those numbers and letters placed on the right and the left side of your boat for identification, just like having a, a, a tag on a car. Mm-hmm. Same, same, uh, same uh, philosophy. And uh, along with that, you will have a voter registration card or copy on your phone. A voter? Voter. Not voter. Voter. Okay. Voter with a B. <laughs> well, that sounds a lot like voter registration. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, wearable life jackets on board, uh, a throw cushion on board, a fire extinguisher on board, and if it were up to me, I'd be more concerned about the fire extinguisher than I would the uh, life jackets because I had a buddy of mine that uh, – Started on a fire a fire on the boat one morning. Uh, his motor caught on fire, launching the boat. And I had pulled the truck up the hill to park it and came down the hill, and the fire was burning. And it was an older motor, and you just can't put out a grease fire like you can a regular fire. Water was not working. Uh, fire extinguisher saved the day that day, and I saw that firsthand. Um so the fire extinguisher on a boat is like a uh, certain chemical. It's not. No, it's just a regular fire extinguisher. Okay. It, it, it just will. It'll put out a hot grease fire a lot better than water will. Water tends to flame it up sometimes. You know, adding uh, oxygen to the fire if you're not dousing it heavy enough. And but that fire extinguisher will put it out. That fire extinguisher could be a lifesaver. And with a boat, it can be very deadly very quick if you don't right, have exactly the. Exactly. the proper thing and that's something i guess the state authorities come on your boat and check these things yeah that, that that's required on a it's required i know on any craft 16 plus feet long and any craft that has so much of an enclosed uh, storage area now don't quote me on this but i'm pretty certain that a, a pretty much a bare just like flat bottom boat that's all wide open you know like a P-Row? Yeah, like a P-Row or just a little aluminum uh, flat-bottom boat. Uh, I don't think you had to have one on that, even if you got a motor. But don't quote me on that. But I know you used to didn't have to. Yeah, okay. But it's still a good idea to have one, especially if you got gasoline, you know, and you got a gasoline motor. So fire extinguishers is definitely something you need to have there and full fire sure. extinguishers. Sure, yeah, a full working one. All right. What else? Uh, there are more uh, laws that I won't go into. Uh, there's, uh, you know, having lights on your uh, front and back corners of your boat. If you're going to do anything at night, you've got to have lighting on the boat. Um, those but, lights are different colors. What are those colors and what do they mean? Well, you know what? There's a red and there's a green. And I, and I can't tell you for, honestly what they mean, but I think. 
One of them probably means bow, and one of them means uh, stern, which I would think. So you could tell which direction the boat is coming. And I think the uh, the green one is on the stern, and the red one's on the bow. I actually don't have lights on my boat, but I, I'm not out at night anymore. So lights on boats working properly if you're going to be out, certainly alf- after the sun goes down. And you got to have a noisemaker on a boat. Yeah, you got in trouble for that one. Uh, I got a warning about that one time. So a whistle works? A whistle works. Or you can, you know, get one of those uh, fog horns. Or I- I'd probably suggest a fog horn on, if you're on a bigger craft, especially like a cruiser or something like that. But uh, basic safety rules, uh, be courteous, uh, you know, think about driving on the streets and uh, what you run into on the streets. You're still going to run into some of that on the water because there's always going to be some crazies out there Do the, and some inconsiderate people. And and you mix in a holiday weekend. A lot of people out there are having a good time, and they're also some under the influence Hopefully some of those people don't know that the influence are not behind the wheel yeah. of a boat. You're, are the rules the same, the, uh, the alcohol level, usually the same for boating as it is for a motor vehicle? I think it is, and I, I'm, I feel certain it is. The uh, only difference is it's called a BUI instead of a DUI. And uh, boating under the influence is uh, a severe penalty. Yeah, and it should be because we're sitting here talking with Craig Faulkner today because of the loss of life that happens a lot of times on the 4th of July, perhaps we can help make a difference. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about, since we're talking about boating safety and more, these things you're telling me all make sense, but then you factor in on a busy holiday weekend like we have, people out there not just in their boats, but they're pulling behind a raft or other recreational type things. And to me, those are the things that often cause injuries and deaths because the the kids oftentimes being pulled lose control they go under i've heard of skiing behind a boat before and the and the uh people skiing go under a boat dock and it kills them that way so what are your thoughts and tips from knowing about that kind of deal uh i did a lot of skiing when i was growing up and um we would be careful to pick out areas of the lake or the river where we knew that the boating traffic was not normally as high. Mm-hmm. We would go out of our way as far as finding an area like that. And we'd also pick our times of day to do it because we really liked to ski before the boating traffic got bad because the wake wasn't near as bad. You mm-hmm. want some pretty flat uh, water when you're water skiing. And uh, there wasn't much rafting back then. Back then there was a lot more water skiing than was anything. But I tell you, myself being on the water so much fishing, what concerns me more than anything is these uh, sea dews. Yeah. Now, because they are quick and fast, and most people are driving them very erratic. They're cutting donuts, they're doing this, and they make a pretty daggum big wake themselves. And like I said, uh, the people that are driving, not all the people, but all. It's kind of like uh, the guy that's got the red sports car. He tends to go faster than the guy that's in the uh, four-door sedan. Mm-hmm. And I, I would parallel the four-door sedan to a man in a fishing boat and a red sports car to the kid on a sea But uh, So I, I really watch out for those sea because they can pop up on you in a heartbeat. 
And, and, like, and like I was saying earlier, uh, you think about when you're driving on the roads, driving your car, uh, the majority of people are doing right and being safe, but there's a certain percentage out there that are going to be driving dangerously, erratic, too fast, uh, no consideration or courtesy. Well, those same people are getting on the water. Mm-hmm. So, And that's what we're trying to avoid. And if you're one of those sea-do ladies and guys, please be considerate and don't do things that are going to cause discomfort or injury to others out there on the waterways of the south anything else because i actually have something quickly i want to get to that has to do with Uh, offshore boating well only that uh have a safe fourth of july and uh celebrate uh fourth of july and remember where it came from yes sir now what craig has said is very very much needs to be in place on the inland waters of the south this holiday weekend some of you might be going offshore and some of these tips of boater safety, what Craig said for the freshwater choices, are just as applicable for offshore. you got to have a life vest. You need to have throwable flotation devices when you go on freshwater lakes and or offshore. You also have to have, as Craig said, a fire extinguisher, signaling devices. Got to have a medical kit. Make sure you have that aboard with you. You should also, at least for offshore have an anchor with line. Are you required to have an anchor on a freshwater? No, you're not. Okay. Well, offshore, you got to have an anchor with line. They also recommend for offshore boating a VHS radio. I don't know what a VHS radio is, but that's what they recommend there. Snorkel mask can be helpful if you're going to be offshore. And definitely for offshore, you don't think about this, on freshwater lakes, they ask that you take when you go offshore water and food because you never know if something might go awry you could be out in the gulf or the atlantic for days and you need water and food so those are helpful tips there if you're going to be going offshore this holiday season and or holiday meaning fourth of july holiday weekend and or perhaps sometime at the summer when you can get to the beach sometime soon some helpful tips there. Craig, thank you so much for your, again, boating safety tips. This is the busiest boating weekend of the year. All y'all have a wonderful, wonderful 4th of July. And let's all gather back here next week for another installment of Craig Faulkner's Fish and Forecast. Happy 4th to you, sir. Back at you, John. All right. More of the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent is coming up. See y'all at the lake and offshore, perhaps. into y'all got a few headlines before we move over to some movie talk in the next segment then we'll be done with our number two the governor of tennessee becomes the latest politician to head to the border 
as Governor Bill Lee is heading to the U.S.-Mexico border this weekend there. He'll meet several hundred members of the Tennessee National Guard and evaluate needs in securing the border. The governor in a statement saying the men and women of the Tennessee National Guard are playing a significant role in quelling the most severe border crisis we've seen in 20 years. I want to personally commend the more than 300 Tennesseans who are serving our country on the front lines of this crisis. And among the members of the Tennessee National Guard are the 269th Military Police Company, the 913th Engineer Company, and the 2151 Aviation Battalion. Governor Lee of Tennessee, accompanied by Major General Jeff Holmes, Adjutant General of the Tennessee National Guard. And, of course, President Trump was just at the border the previous week and a lot of other politicians making their way to the U.S.-Mexico border, and this time Governor Lee heading to Texas again to assist and, and kind of get a firsthand evaluation of his Tennessean serving in uniform along the border. News coming to us from Memphis in Tennessee. A mom has turned her own daughter in to the Memphis Police Department after a purse-snatching incident was caught on camera. Way to go, mama! As a pair of Memphians accused of swiping a 77-year-old woman's purse and then using her credit card, and the mother of 20-year-old, I mean, <laughs> I got to look at this name twice here. Hold on a second. Let me zoom in close. This is a new one, y'all. I know her last name is Jones, but her name is Horner Nisha. Horner Nisha Jones, her mama, turned in the 20-year-old into authorities after investigators were looking into this purse snatching. And Horner Nisha's buddy, 18-year-old Autumn Duff, also turned into police as they were there in the Ridgeway portion of Memphis stealing purses. And Horner Nisha's mama ain't going to put up with that and turned her own daughter into police for snatching a purse. That's a bad Southerner right there, Horner. Horner Nisha Jones, a name that will go down on the dummy list, and and her mom goes on the hero list. Congratulations, Mama, for, for doing that. We love our moms who and dads who aren't afraid to turn in their knucklehead children if they've done something wrong. Don't be one of those Southerners who think your child does no wrong. I, I've got a child. I don't think my son's ever done anything wrong come to think of it but if he did and if he did something illegal i'm not above turning him into the to the the man and having him sit in the jail cell and think about what he did is that being too harsh perhaps in the future if things go the way they are continuing to devolve in this country we may not even have jail cells the way some of these idiots trying to run the country may get their wish there's no crimes in this country. You can just do whatever you want. Well, at least in Memphis right now, it's still on the books. You can't snatch people's purse and use credit cards. And Horn Anisha got caught on camera, and her mama did something about it. Way to go, Horn Anisha mom. <laughs> That's a quick look at some of the headlines. When we come back on the Y'all, we're going to wrap up this hour with a look at some of the new movies hitting theaters this weekend. Oh, get your popcorn out. And get you might need a stolen credit card and a snatch purse to pay for some of the movie and popcorn prices have 
the movie theater experience this time. But we'll tell you what's out there this weekend. It's our look at Dixie Cinema, and it's up next year on Talk With a Southern Accent. here on this southern weekend you might want to head over to your local movie theater slim pickings this weekend only one big release hitting the theaters this weekend at least in terms of a brand new movie for the weekend but it's a big one black widow is out this weekend it stars scarlett johansson florence Pugh, and others and black widow a film about natasha romanoff and her quest between the film's civil war and Infinity War, an action-adventure sci-fi film out this weekend. It is Black Widow. And we remember, we've had some other big movies in the box office, especially for the 4th of July. So go out and check out some of those movies that might be available for you to go see that are available now. Movies like A Quiet Place. You also have Cruella that recently just hit the movie theaters. The F9, The Fast Saga is one of your holiday 4th of July movies that came out. Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway is available as well. Boss Baby, I think I knew a youngster that went and saw that here this week with a little matinee viewing. The Conjuring also available, this uh, movie theater experience. And The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, that one's also one of the new movies. But for this weekend... It's the Scarlett Johansson film that you might want to go check out if you're able to get to a movie theater and experience Black Widow. That wraps up Hour 2 of Talk With a Southern Accent. When we come back, we'll have more sports information from across the Southeast. Plus, we'll be telling you more about the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. This is the Y'all Show. Talking with an accent on all things Southern, I'm John Rawl, the General of the South. John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. And we're back here for the final hour, getting you into the weekend. That's what we do here on the show, powered by y'all.com. Y'all is the South's homepage. Man, you got to go there. It's y-a-l-l.com, four little characters, y-a-l-l.com is all you got to do. 
and you'll be right there on the information superhighway of the South. The South's homepage, y'all.com. We're going to have a video put up there on Saturday. Check out Tricks of the Trade. Learn all about all the honeydews that you need around the house, how to get them fixed. John Allen, Jimmy Duke will be on y'all.com bright and early on Saturday morning. Check that out. Watch it. Not just listen to it, but watch it at y'all.com. And if you're fortunate enough to get it in, in an area where you can listen to it on the radio, then tune in there too. But yeah, it'll be at y'all.com and available all weekend long. Plus, we have other great features up at y'all.com. And y'all.com presents the Y'all Show with yours truly. Coming up in this final hour, getting you into the weekend, we've got Southern sports to cover. We'll let you know about what's going on in Major League Baseball, the pairings for this weekend, plus the update on the NBA Finals. It's looking mighty bright out in the desert as the Phoenix Suns race to a 2-0 series lead in the NBA Finals. I'll let you know about that, plus some college football transfer news. The Kentucky Wildcats go big blue. They've got a great football player inbound to UK's team. We'll let you know who that is. All that is part of our Southern Sports Report. And then speaking of college football, the Louisiana Lafayette Raisin Cajuns are our spotlight team as ULL, ooh la la, or as they want to tell us nowadays, Louisiana. The Cajuns are our spotlight team. We're on a 44-city tour across the southeast, and we're stopping off in Lafayette, Louisiana today to tell you all about the Cajuns. And in our spotlight in this hour, we're going to talk about some of the traditions at ULL. We'll let you know about some of the famous alumni of the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. All that and more about the Sun Belt Conference team, which gets ready to start its 2021 season on the road in Austin against the Texas Longhorns on the Saturday of Labor Day weekend. It's all Raging Cajuns coming up in just a few minutes on the Y'all Show. Plus, before the hour is up, we will let you know about some more news going on across the Southeast. In fact, how about this story that we'll be sharing with you? We have a listing of the top 10 fast food restaurants. I don't know who made this list, but we'll compare this list to what you think it ought to be. And it's part of our big stories of the hour that we'll be getting to here in just a few minutes. That news, plus we'll also be letting you know how a Birmingham woman wore a wedding dress for the first time. And this woman got married 70 years ago, but she didn't have a wedding dress when she got married 70 years ago. And now, thanks to her granddaughter, she put on a wedding dress for the very first time. Some really nice pictures coming out of Birmingham of this lady having that privilege. You know, a lot of ladies and maybe some guys do really think a long time about what they're going to be wearing when they get hitched. And in this case, this lady actually didn't have that chance 70 years ago when she got all married up, but now got, got that pretty wedding dress on. And it's a, a nice sweet story to send you into the weekend. That's coming up. Plus before the hour is over and the week is up on the y'all show, we've got to look at some more of the great festivals and celebrations taking place across the 16 Southern States this very weekend. It's part of our From Dixie with Love. It's coming up. So stay tuned. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with us here at the Y'all Show. And we want to hear from you. To the sports news of the South and in the NBA Finals on Thursday, it was the Phoenix Suns with a 10-point win in the desert. They won 118-108 to over the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Phoenix and Chris Paul, 3, CP3 out of Wake Forest. He's got his son's team in a 2-0 advantage over the Bucks in the NBA Finals. This series now shifts to the Harley-Davidson capital of the world, and Game 3 will be tipped off on Sunday evening between Milwaukee and Phoenix. Will Milwaukee come to life on the shores of Lake Michigan and make this a competitive series, or will CP3 and his teammates there from Phoenix come out of that Sunday game with a 3-0 advantage in this NBA Finals? But right now, I would say if you're a fan of the Suns, you're smiling pretty big right now as things are certainly looking up for the Phoenix Suns in their quest to get their first world title in basketball, at least, in Phoenix, Arizona. And let's think about it. Has Phoenix, Arizona ever won a championship? Yes, they have. Take a guess what Phoenix has won a championship in. It's not football. Arizona Cardinals have been to the Super Bowl twice, I think, in the last 15 years, and they lost both of those times. Kurt Warner at QB, I know, in one of those times. They lost up in Detroit when they played the Steelers in one of those games, and I think they played in Dallas against somebody. I can't remember. But, uh, no, it's the Arizona Diamondbacks. Remember, they won the World Series in 2001. Dramatic series win over the New York Yankees. So Phoenix has tasted professional success. I don't think the Coyotes have won in the Stanley Cup. And then as far as college football in Arizona State, now that I think about it, let me pull up my Arizona State football Sun Devil information while we're able to. I don't normally focus in on Arizona and the Grand Canyon State all that often, but why not here as we try to educate you on talk with a southern accent. Arizona State's football team survey says, have they ever won a national championship? They claim two back in 1970 and 1975. So we're going to unclaim the Sun Devils. No, sorry, no national championships for you. So I would say sports and futility kind of go together for this, this, this city. Now, in 1970, Arizona State went 11-0. 1975, they went 12-0, but still not considered to be overall national champions. Their last championship, the Sun Devils, in the Pac-12 or Pac-10, they were a co-champion in 2007 when Dennis Erickson was leading the program. They had an 8-0 season back in 96 with Bruce Snyder and went 11-1. I guess they went to the Rose Bowl that particular season. But yeah, Arizona State and Phoenix getting a little love here on the Y'all Show. And if you know anything about Arizona history, frankly, that portion of Arizona from Phoenix down, down to Tucson was technically part of the South as it was once part of the Confederate States. It was territory of the csa how about that i bet you didn't learn that in school i bet you also didn't learn in school about dare rosenthal as he is now transferred from lsu and he's going to be suiting up for the big blue of kentucky a left tackle announcing thursday that he's going to play for coach stoops and uk as he put out on twitter my decision was not based on my athleticism alone it was based on me attending the university that I believe can help mold and shape me into a better man and help me reach my full potential on the field. I look forward to changing the narrative and my new journey at UK. 
How about that? And believe it or not, I'm going to take a moment here. I don't know if UK and LSU are going to be playing football. I don't know where my UK expert is right now. I don't know if they're scheduled to play football anytime very soon. But these two teams actually have a little bit of a a weird history together. (laughs) Going back to the bluegrass miracle of, what, 2000, 1999, 2000, and the days of J-Lo, Jared Lorenzen at QB for LSU. And then it was, what, 2007 that LSU went into bluegrass to the Commonwealth Stadium at the time, and they lost in triple overtime to Rich, gosh, whatever Rich is in the last name, I've already forgotten, former St. Louis Rams coach, uh, went in there and, and UK won that game in 2007 in triple overtime and then LSU lost a triple overtime overtime game to Arkansas and still got a chance to play for a national championship and won a national championship with Les Miles. Crazy, crazy times. But I was talking one time to an LSU fan and he told me that the worst fan experience that he ever experienced was not in Oxford. It wasn't in Tuscaloosa. It wasn't at any other places, I guess, in Gainesville. This LSU diehard said that the Kentucky fans were the worst fans he ever was around whenever LSU played Kentucky. And I don't know what year. But there, there's some nasty Kentucky fans. I'm looking at you, Mr. Thomas. There's some nasty Kentucky fans, evidently. And, and even in football, according to some of these other SEC fans. Now, Kentucky fans would probably be like, whoa, wait a minute. LSU's preaching to us about fan conduct and being awful? Yeah, that's what I was told. (laughs) That's what I was told. But yeah, Kentucky, LSU have that kind of a relationship. And now maybe the wounds are ripening even more thanks to Dare Rosenthal transferring the left tackle for Ed Orgeron going to Kentucky. Coach O has raved about Rosenthal's potential before his departure, saying that Dare Rosenthal had the potential to be a first-round NFL draft pick. We'll see how well he does leading the U.K. offensive line. As Kentucky has been active in the transfer market over the offseason, they're bringing in former Penn State quarterback Will Levies. They're also bringing in a former Mississippi Landshark linebacker, Jaquez Jones. Also a receiver coming in from Nebraska, Wandale Robinson as coach Mark Soups. This might be his do-or-die year. It's been a program on the rise, but they still haven't quite got to that point where they were just a win away from being in Atlanta to take on the West, Uh, from being able to go play Alabama. (laughs) Let's just be honest. I know that's a little bit of a cheap shot at all the other six schools in the SEC West, but Kentucky, it's time. It is time for Coach Stoops to earn his paycheck and get you to Atlanta. And this might be the year, and maybe that's why Coach Mark Stoops is making the changes and bringing in people like Darren Rosenthal to, to beef things up. Let's go to Athens and tell you about a guy leaving Athens and going to Jordan Hare the deep south's oldest rivalry getting a little a little wild and crazy as 
Demetrius Robertson transferring from Georgia to Auburn, transferring for his senior season. And it's the second time Demetrius Robertson has changed schools. He started out at Cal, ended up moving there from there to Georgia, and now he's going to Auburn. Now, in Athens, when he played between the hedges, he started four games for UGA, catching 30 passes for 333 yards and three touchdowns. Last season, his playing time was really, really diminished. He only caught 12 passes in 10 games. So he moves over across that state line into East Alabama, and there at Jordan-Hare, he's got a chance to be a lot bigger playmaker for Coach Harson and the new Auburn coaching staff. Auburn opens its season, by the way, at Jordan-Hare against the Akron Zips on September the 4th. But some transfer news from SEC football programs here on today's Y'all show to golf this weekend. The PGA Tour making its last stop before heading across the pond for next week's Open Championship. This weekend in Illinois, it's the John Deere Classic. After round one on Thursday, Sebastian Munoz held the lead one shot over former Georgia Tech golfer Chesson Hadley. Also, you have other Americans in the mix that did pretty well after their first round. That includes Kevin Tway. And Cameron Champ, former Texas A&M Aggie golfer. Also, you have Ryan Moore doing pretty well after round one. But we've got a very exciting John Deere Classic on the line. The winner actually gets to go jump on a plane and head over to the Open Championship if they haven't already qualified for that. That's going place right. what's taking place on the PGA Tour. To the LPGA, and they're playing right now this week with a tournament. And after one round in the books of this event on the LPGA Tour. A couple of Americans doing quite well. Former Wake Forest golfer Jennifer Cupcho, she shot six under after her first round Thursday. Former Alabama Crimson Tide golfer Lauren Stevenson, a Lexington, South Carolina native, she shot six under as well on Thursday, and she was tied for second after that first round. So keep an eye on, again, this event going on this weekend. It's the Marathon LPGA Classic coming from Sylvania, Ohio, as the LPGA has great golf on display, just like the PGA Tour. This weekend in NASCAR, check out a race taking place at the Atlanta Motor Speedway south of downtown Atlanta. It's the Quaker State 400 presented by Walmart. This race is going to be televised on the NBC Sports Network starting at 3.30 Atlanta time on sunday the last race winner on the fourth of july chase elliott as he won the jockey made in america 250 and now the race shifting to chase elliott's home state as hampton georgia's atlanta motor speedway hosts the quaker state 400 this weekend to major league baseball the docket for this weekend is set and it's going to be rivalry weekend at wrigley as the cubs and the cardinals get together they have an early businessman special, a 120 Chicago time first pitch between the Cardinals and Cubs. That ought to be a lot of fun to check out here on this Friday. You also have the Southsiders of Chicago. They're on the road at Baltimore this weekend. Atlanta and Miami get together along the Miami shores 
as this is an NL East battle taking place this weekend. Royals and Indians get together. The Phillies will be at Boston. Pittsburgh and the New York Mets have a little affair this weekend. Toronto will be at Tampa Bay. Oakland visits the Texas Rangers. The Reds and the Brewers get together this weekend. Detroit and Minnesota, they tangle this weekend. New York, the Yankees, that is, will be in Houston. The Nationals and Giants have a series this weekend. The Angels and Mariners getting together. The Diamondbacks and L.A. Dodgers on the diamond this weekend. And lastly, a NL West battle between the Colorado Rockies and the San Diego Padres. That's what's on tap in Major League Baseball for this weekend. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we'll keep the sports news and notes going, but we're going to shift over specifically to Lafayette, Louisiana. It's the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They are our spotlight, and we're going to let you know more about the pageantry of Raging Cajun football and more, and we'll also tell you about some of the most famous alums of the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. That's coming up here on our 44-city tour of Southern College football teams. This is the Y'all Show. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. Well, with an intro like that, I better not disappoint. (laughs) We're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, and we're on this big tour across Dixie getting you ready for Labor Day weekend, and today's stop is in Lafayette, Louisiana. First of all, you should go there anytime and enjoy wonderful food. I've had a chance to go there and pig out. Oh, what a fun experience it was when I was passing through Lafayette. I haven't made it to a game day, but that is what I'm waiting for. Hey, Louisiana Raging Cajun fans, will y'all please get me down for a game sometime? I'm looking forward to it. Louisiana Lafayette opens its college football schedule this year at Texas as they'll be at DKR Memorial Stadium. And that game set against the Texas Longhorns for September 4th, the opener this year. And they got a brand new stadium name. They'll be welcoming in their fellow Louisiana college, the Nichols State Colonels, for a game and that game set for September 11th, the home opener at, get ready for it, Cajun Field at Our Lady of Lords Stadium. That is the brand new moniker for Louisiana Raging Cajun football, as that hospital system just gave the University of Louisiana at Lafayette a nice $15 million paycheck. And so they have a hot new stadium name, and they're going to have a hot new stadium period after. About two years of renovations kick in, and in 2023, they're scheduled to have this beautiful new updated stadium there for the Ragin' Cajuns. Here on this segment of the Y'all Show, we've already told you in hour one more about the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns 2021 schedule. We've let you know more about their head coach, Billy Napier, who's getting ready to enter his forthcoming season. This will be his technically fourth season 
on the job there coaching the Raging Cajuns, and he's done a good job. He has won conference championships. He's taken them to a couple of bowl victories, and the the, the folks are really watching this program out of the Sun Belt Conference for what they can do in 2021. Let me tell you more about the traditions and information you need to know about the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, a.k.a. UL Lafayette, a.k.a. the University of Louisiana, all you can shorten it up and just call it UL. Now, this school used to be known as the University of Southwestern Louisiana. I used to work with a alumnus of USL, and he once told me he went to USL. I was like, where the heck's that? And I found out about it. This guy was pretty Cajun, too. I guess that's a good place for him to go to college there. And he was a Lafayette native, I think. Alan, guess what his last name was? Y'all love this. Gidry. That's a pretty good name if you're living in Lafayette, Louisiana. But the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette, this university has just shy of 17,000 students enrolled in Lafayette, Louisiana. Lafayette is the parish seat of Lafayette Parish, and that's along the Vermilion River and the southwestern corner of the Pelican State. Nice little spot. I-10 goes right through it. And it's a good place to hang out when you're going there. Or if you miss that exit, you can go to one of the Raging Cajun's most famous alums town. And I think he lives there now. And he's, to use their vernacular, he's really big into horse racing and horses. And that would be Raging Cajun quarterback. He was suiting up. He was suiting up for the red and white when they were the USL Raging Cajuns, Jake DeLome, a USL alum. But we'll tell you more about their famous alums in a second. But this school got its its beginnings back in 1898. It was a teaching school, a technical school, and more. And has really helped out a lot of people in Cajun country. They don't call it Lafayette Parish, and they don't call it Cajun country for no reason. This is a pretty cool little area of our region, the South. Some of the most famous Louisiana Lafayette alums. Let's go through the list of some you might recognize here. Allie Landry, Miss USA 1996. She got her fame maybe not from winning Miss USA, but she was the Doritos girl if you watched the 1998 Super Bowl, you saw that Dorito girl, the, the Dorito commercial, that beautiful, beautiful woman snatching that Dorito chip out of the air. That was Allie Landry. Allie Landry would go on and marry Mario Lopez, the actor. And, and actually, their marriage in 2004 got annulled. So I don't know if you count that or not. <laughs> uh, beautiful woman. Absolutely stunning Allie Landry a Louisiana Lafayette alumnus. Also another actress from ULL, Felicia Angel. She is not all that old. She's 35 years old, but she's acted and known for some work she's done there. Also, let's tell you about some other names that you might be familiar with. David Begno. Now, he's a CBS reporter. 
David Begno is a CBS in, and he sometimes is on the the mothership CBS, but David Begno is a raging Cajun. How about one of my favorite singers in all of country music? I did not realize he went to USL at that time. Eddie Raven. Oh, go look up Eddie Raven if you're not familiar with his music. Great singer. Fantastic country music star of the 80s. Eddie Raven. A comic book writer is an alumnus of the school, Cody Chamberlain. They've had a lot of people in politics come out of USL and the University of Louisiana Lafayette, including longtime senator from Louisiana, John Bro. He represented the Pelican State from 1987 to 2005. John Bro is a very successful lobbyist still in Washington, D.C. He is a USL alumnus and now University of Louisiana Lafayette alumnus. They've had a Medal of Honor winner, Stephen Bennett. He attended this college. They've had people in science and more. Alex McCool, former manager of the NASA Space Shuttle Projects Office. He is a USL alumnus. And then they've had even people who are pretty high up in religion. Roy Borjo and Sam Siemens. Siemens, a bishop in the Reformed Episcopal Church. A lot of sports stars have come out of Louisiana Lafayette. A quarterback for the Detroit Lions, Bill Bentley. You might remember him. They've also had Orlando Thomas played with the Minnesota Vikings. And then they had a quarterback named Jake DeLome. He was with the Saints for a few years before going to the Carolina Panthers. Led them to the 2004 Super Bowl. I think it was technically played in 2005. But Jake DeLome, the raging Cajun quarterback, was with the Panthers from 2003 to 2009. And he lives in nearby Bro Bridge, his hometown. But gets across the bridge there and checks out the raging Cajuns very, very often. A former Atlanta Braves player, Jose Alvarez, is a raging Cajun alum. Ron Guidry. Y'all know about the Cy Young winner, former New York Yankee, Ron Guidry, Raging Cajun. And then you also have a longtime player, Xavier Hernandez. He played with the Blue Jays, Rangers, Mariners, and more. And let's see if they've had any names you might be familiar from basketball. Mm, Maybe Orion Green played with the Celtics and Pacers. They've had a very, very long list of people who've come out of the University of Louisiana Lafayette. Now, quickly, if you're able to go to a Raging Cajun game, you got to wear red. That's a tradition there. They also have the annual block party held on Rex Street and St. Mary Boulevard. That's a tradition there. How about, of course, if it's the Raging Cajuns, you know they've got a tradition of crawfish, and sure enough, each year they have the crawfish boil where students get together during Lanyap Week and have that. Then they have the Feta La Terry. And I'm not Cajun, so I may have completely butchered that. That's a tradition there. Homecoming's a really big deal at Louisiana Lafayette. They have a homecoming queen, and they have a homecoming cake and more. Then, they, of course, they have what they call the lake jump during Lanyap Week. They have an official ring they give out. The Raging Roar is a tradition. And then they have tailgating. Raging Cajun fans there gathering outside a Cajun field 
It is a lot of stuff online at this Sunbelt School, the University of Louisiana at Lafayette. And they are our latest stop on our journey across 44 colleges across the Southeast. We're going to have a great time doing this. We hope you enjoy learning about the traditions, the prognostication, if you will, for the forthcoming season for these schools, and just learning about your neighbors. And in today's case, we learned all about the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana Lafayette. And see, we've knocked out a few schools this week. we got a lot more coming. In fact, let me go ahead today and tell you our five schools that will be featured next week on the Y'all Show, starting Monday with East Carolina. Then we'll keep it on the coast of the Carolinas because Tuesday it'll be fellow Sunbelt Conference member for the Raging Cajuns, Coastal Carolina, a defending co-champion of this conference, They'll be on our spotlight Tuesday, the Tulane Green Wave on Wednesday, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles on Thursday, and we'll wrap up our tour on Friday. We'll go to Annapolis, and the Navy Midshipmen out of the AAC will be our final school next week as we are on this 44-city tour across the Southeast. Now, isn't this just fun? It is. And I tell you what, I want to get to one of those Lanyap events and have some crawfish and some other good stuff there in Lafayette. Heck, I'll even go to Brobridge. I've been to Brobridge and had great Cajun food when I was passing through the area. I don't think, yeah, I have been to Lafayette too. See, I love Cajun food and I love that part of the South. And we love you if you're from that part of the South tuning in right now on the Y'all Show. Thank you for your unique contribution to the South and to the country. And thank you for the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns for all that they've done and the success the Cajuns have had. We will come right back on the Y'all Show. We've got a look at some more headlines, including the top fast food restaurants out there. A survey has just come out. Is your favorite restaurant on the list? We'll let you know. Plus, before the hour's up, I look at some of the great festivals and events going on this weekend across Dixie. Wrapping up things here in this final hour of the Y'all Show. Quick update on some news headlines across the southeast. We have an arrest in Kennesaw, Georgia. Cobb County Sheriff's deputies and U.S. Marshals arrested a Chambly, Georgia man, Brian Roden, in the killing of three men who were found shot dead on a golf course in the Atlanta area. That happened over the past weekend, and now 
This man faces three counts of murder, three counts of aggravated assault, and two counts of kidnapping. Again, an arrest made in the slaying of three men from this past weekend on a golf course in the Atlanta area happening in Kennesaw, Georgia. Just an unfortunate news story from the 4th of July weekend, a just senseless killing on a golf course, for goodness sakes. Let's lighten things up, getting you ready for the weekend. A list of the fast food restaurants of the country. We've got a ranking of the fast food restaurants According to a study by the American Customer Satisfaction Index, Chick-fil-A rated as the country's favorite fast food restaurant seven years now in a row. The Georgia-based company, number one, Chick-fil-A scored an 83 in the limited service restaurants category. And let me tell you again, the top 10 fast food restaurants, according to a study by the American Customer Satisfaction Index. Don't take up your criticism with this guy. Take it up with ACSI. As this study was based on interviews with over 19,000 customers chosen at random and interviewed via email between April and March, April of 2020 and March of 2021. So nearly a year-long study conducted of all of these people and their satisfaction of these great fast food restaurants of the country and a southern company is numero uno way to go truett kathy's company chick-fil-a number one number two domino's oh that yankee pizza number two on this list of the top 10 fast food restaurants number three is a good southern place a good Southern Commonwealth. Kentucky Fried Chicken is number three. Some, sounds like we Southerners and we Americans like our chicken. <laughs> Chick-fil-A won KFC at three. Now, number four on the list of top ten fast food restaurants surveyed over nearly a year. Oh, something's wrong here. Starbucks. They're, they're not even a, a restaurant, for goodness sakes. You just go there and get coffee, don't you? I guess they may have some kind of pastries. But Starbucks is number four. Now, they've got loyal fans. They'll line up in the drive-thru for 30 minutes to get them a sip of coffee. Starbucks is number four. Five Guys is number five. That's the first hamburger chain that I've talked about. Number six, and I just overheard a conversation right here today about this number six. (laughs) They called it hospital food. Because they say it tastes like hospital food. Chuck Walker, giving you credit on that one. Panera Bread is number six. And now that I think about it, the one or two times I've had Panera, it did kind of taste like what I had when I was in the hospital earlier this year. Panera Bread, six. Number seven, Pizza Hut. Are there any Pizza Huts left? Uh, Pizza Hut's number seven. Number eight, that's a good place. I don't think it's very southern, but it's good. Arby's. We have... The number eight ranking (laughs) top 10 fast food restaurants. Again, this comes out to us this week from the American customer satisfaction index. Number nine is Chipotle Mexican grill. If they're not poisoning you, they come in at number nine and number 10 is Dunkin donuts. I think people go there more for the coffee than the donuts, but yeah, Dunkin checks in at number 10. 
Did you notice who I didn't mention? The biggest fast food chain out there, McDonald's. They're not in the top 10. Burger King's not here. Hardee's is not here. Sonic's not on this list. They're they're anti-hamburger, it looks like. Wendy's is not on this list. I might be leaving some folks out here. And I guess they just haven't gone around nationwide quite yet to get on this top customer service ranking of top 10 fast food restaurants. But where's Cookout when you need them? I think they satisfy their customers a lot. Cookout ought to be on this list soon. Certainly deserve to be on here more than freaking Starbucks. Uh, Let's see here. What other Southern uh, Jacks? I love me some Jacks. That's not all that commonplace in the South. How about Crystal? Crystal Hamburgers, good Southern-based company. I don't see them on here. I don't see Dairy Queen. I don't see... Trying to think of some other good Southern chains. Hmm. I don't even see Memphis's own Jack Pearls on here. <laughs> I've loved their burgers in the past. And I don't see Wards from South Mississippi. I don't see Rushes from my home stomping area of Columbia, South Carolina. They're not listed. Trying to think of some other good little chains across the Southeast. Got to have more than one if you got to show up on this list. But congratulations. Let's not take anything away from Chick-fil-A. Again, number one for the seventh straight year. Chicken nuggets from Chick-fil-A. And that ice cream cone helps put Chick-fil-A number one on the top 10 fast food restaurants, according to the American Customer Satisfaction Index. Now to Birmingham, and a woman got married nearly 70 years ago, but when she got married back in 19, what would that be, 1951, she didn't have a wedding dress. And now this Birmingham woman got a chance to put on a wedding dress for the very first time. I don't think she was getting married again. She just had never worn a wedding dress. And the 94-year-old from Birmingham, Martha May Ophelia Moon Tucker, say that five times fast. She, thanks to her granddaughter, Angela Strozier, got a chance to put on a wedding dress for the first time this week and loved it. Her dream was to wear a wedding dress, and thanks to a David's Bridal location in Hoover, Alabama, they made Miss Tucker's dream come true by having a chance to put on a beautiful wedding dress. And now a photo of this that went up on Facebook has been shared more than 15,000 times. And Miss Tucker told AL.com this week, you know, I can't even express how special it was. It was too special. I've been wanting to do that a long time. Just put one on. And who knew that a wedding dress would be that special? Now, Miss Tucker, was she's from Alexander City in Alabama, born there in 1927. She moved to Birmingham when she was 15, graduated from Parker High School in 1948, and married the love of her life, she says, Layman Tucker Sr. in 1952. And she would go on to work with civil rights leaders in Birmingham, helping to register voters, worked at a poll, as a poll worker. And this week, She got a wedding dress, and she put it on. Her husband died in 1975, so she'd never put on a wedding dress until this week. Thanks to the David's Bridal in Hoover for helping her out. Some great photos. You can go check it out yourself. AL.com is the destination. Again, congratulations to this 94-year-old woman in Birmingham, 
Martha May, Ophelia Moon Tucker. Got that beautiful wedding dress at 94 years young. Looking beautiful there, Miss Tucker. We'll come right back on the Y'all Show, wrap it up. We're going to tell you about some more festivals and events going on this very weekend across the 16 southern states. And that will wrap up this week's Y'all when we come right back. It's great to be with y'all. 803-816-1170 is the way you can text us if you've got something southern on your mind. Hang on, we'll be right back. the y'all show on this end of the week fun with our look at some events and festivals across the southeast here this weekend if you don't have plans i'm gonna help you make your weekend get a whole lot more exciting we're starting out in the home of the hogs fayetteville arkansas this weekend is the firefly fling festival that's taking place at the botanical garden of the ozarks that's going to be on saturday in fayette vegas The Firefly Fling Festival sounds like a whole lot of fun if you make your way into northwest Arkansas this weekend. The Villages, Florida this weekend. It's the Brownwood Paddock Square Art and Craft Festival. That's taking place at the Brownwood Paddock Square. That's at the Villages, Florida Brownwood Paddock Square Art and Craft Festival. Let me take this moment. I just got an email sent to me before the show started today of a guy that lived at the villages that I just found out passed away. It's a fellow that I worked with for many years as he was the head of the Dothan, Alabama tourism office. Bob Hendricks passed away and he lived at the villages after leaving tourism in Alabama. Bob Hendricks, I may have talked about him before because Bob Hendricks is the father of PGA tour golfer, Harris English Harris is the guy that just won the other week in Connecticut on that eight-hole playoff. Big, long, tall golfer, a UGA alum, and Bob, his dad, was a huge Georgia Bulldog fan and a big golfing fan, and he and I love to talk golf. We like to talk about y'all. But a great Southern guy, Bob Hendricks, a a village resident, uh, the Villages Florida resident, passing away this week. I don't have any more information, but if you know the name Bob Hendricks, he worked, again, in tourism in Dothan, Alabama for many years, and that's how he and I ran in the tourism circles for a while. Back to what's going on from a tourism standpoint this weekend. Bob would be proud. I'm trying I'm trying to get people across the South. Let's in fact go to the state of Alabama 
It's not Dothan, but this weekend in Birmingham, it's the Alabama Jazz Festival, and that's taking place at Railroad Park Foundation on First Avenue South in the Magic City this weekend. You can hear lots of great jazz music being played in the central Alabama area as Birmingham's got the Alabama Jazz Festival. See, we don't talk about jazz enough here on the Y'all Show. We should, and this weekend you can get your jazz on in the Magic City. This weekend in Beattyville, Kentucky, it's the Beattyville Bourbon and Moonshine Festival. You know, I don't have a whole lot planned. I think I'm going to Kentuck this weekend at the Beattyville Water Company on Main Street here this weekend. It's the Bourbon and Moonshine Festival in Beattyville, Kentucky. Man, what a what a pretty good little combination if you're into that kind of stuff. And you can find it this weekend in Beattyville. In Maryland this weekend, it's the 120th Yavol. It's the 120th Maryland German Festival. And that's taking place at the Maryland State Fairgrounds. And it's in a very German-type city. Lutherville. Lutherville-Timomian, Maryland. I know how to pronounce Lutherville. I guess it's probably named after Martin Luther. Good old German fella. Wittenberg, Wittenberg, Germany, to say it correctly. This weekend, you can get your later hosing out and have some good old Bratwurst and Knockwurst and more. And it will just be wunderbar. It's the 120th Maryland German Festival in Maryland, which I assume, just like a lot of great southern states, has had its share of German immigrants through the years. Also this weekend in Calhoun County, Georgia, that's in North Mississippi, about 45 minutes southwest of Tupelo. This weekend, it's the Bruce Sawmill Festival, and that's a big event. In fact, the town of Bruce, named after the Bruce Sawmill Company or Lumber Company that set up shop there more than 100 years ago, they decided to name the village after the, the big company. And this weekend, they're celebrating trees and sawmills and more. It's the Bruce Sawmill Festival in North Mississippi in the town of Bruce, and that's taking place this weekend in mcleod oklahoma this weekend it's blackberries on display it's the blackberry festival taking place at the mcleod veterans memorial and that's on broadway in mcleod oklahoma usa bedford virginia this weekend it's the horse and hound wine festival that's at johnson's orchard on elmos road in bedford virginia the horse and hound wine festival that's a pretty good creative name for sure taking place in the old dominion and Across the, the, the mountaintop from Virginia, you got West Virginia. This weekend, it's the Johnny Johnson Festival in Fairmont. And that's taking place at the Palatine Park. Now, Johnny Johnson is a bluesman. He died in 2005, but Johnny Johnson was a bluesman and a jazz artist as well. He worked with Chuck Berry, and he helped Chuck. And that led to the induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame He also was posthumously awarded the Congressional Gold Medal for breaking racial barriers in the military. He was a Montford Point Marine, where the American unit of black soldiers endured racism and inspired social change. This Marine turned blues and rock and roller and jazz star, a native of Fairmont, West Virginia. And this weekend, right there in the Mountain State, it's the Johnny Johnson Festival. How about that? And a real trailblazer there in American history, Johnny Johnson. And they're celebrating him this very weekend. 
And that's a couple of states and what's going on this weekend. If you want to get out and enjoy the Southeast, that is some good options for you to do that. We'll be right back here Monday with a whole new week of talk about the South. I'm John Rawl. Enjoy your weekend across Dixie. Thanks for tuning in.